0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: We all have been in the situation where we are sweating it out, hoping Santa's elves get our packages here on time. Worry no more. Our friends at Seattle Shirt Company have all of us in mind. They have an excellent selection of NFL and NBA jerseys for everyone on your list, and they are doing their part in keeping their staff employed during these tough times. Please do yours in supporting local businesses. Not only is shipping free on everything, but this week only, for all of our customers, we have an amazing promotion, 50% off all Seahawks merchandise. Seattle Shirt Company have it all hats, jerseys, hoodies, and more. All the stars from yesterday to today are included. From LeBron James back to Jim Brown, Kareem Abdul Jabbar, Walter Payton, Mike Ditka, Deion Sanders, Jerry Rice, and many more. Have you seen the latest Seattle Kraken NHL gear? Just head to seattleshirt.com and enter the code Believe. that's capital B-L-E-A-V, at checkout for 50% off all Seahawks merchandise. Shipping is always free. Seattle Shirt Company, helping you get ready for the holidays. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. The number one podcast network for professionals. It was neat to see you play and it's fun to
2: talk to you all these years later because you played with a lot of joy and you played with passion and I've seen Dan Dickow hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament.
3: (laughs) Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work.
1: You know, I gotta salute you man Like I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves I think there were a lot of kids who looked at Dan Dickow and said Dan Dickow can play at this level I can play at this level Doing something a little new with the ISO With myself, your host Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports on the Believe Podcast Network As we kick off the new year 2021 and hopefully we can all wish 2020 a goodbye and say a year to not be mentioned again for quite some time. What we're doing in the new year is we're going to bring the best of a few different topics um, with some answers from uh, different people that were guests on the podcast throughout this past six months or so. Um, We're going to start and kick it off with the best of college basketball coaches. Some of the guests that have been on the show over the past few months uh, that will have some different answers in this episode will include Wayne Tinkle, Mark Few, Jason Hart of the USC, Lorenzo Romar of Pepperdine, Eric Musselman, Ray Jackaletti to name a few. Wanted to try something new, thought there's been some great guests, some great insights, some great memories and experiences shared and wanted to compile all those in a few different unique episodes. So enjoy. This is the best of the ISO college basketball coaches.
2: It's Andy Bueller, producer of the ISO with Dan Dickow. And to kick things off here, we have a clip from an episode released September 30th with Oregon State coach Wayne Tinkle. Tinkle and the Beavers had their 2019-2020 season cut short due to COVID-19. From mental health during a pandemic to the social justice movements that stepped into the front of the American uh, national and international conscience, there was a lot going on uh, after the season was cut short. So in this episode, Tinkle explains how he responded to all of those things at one time.
1: Coronavirus pandemic started in in mid-March when everything was shut down. And you could look at it one of two ways. You could look at it, okay, well, I'm just going to hang out and do nothing. Or you can attack each day and try to get better for when the opportunity comes for for the next season. Obviously, we're now on the cusp of the next season. When you look at you and your coaching staff, you probably had a break that you've never, ever had before being in the coaching industry how did you improve or maybe tweak your philosophy or what you want to do at Oregon state um, with so much? And I, I don't want to say time on your hands, but so much ability to reflect as opposed to the everyday grind of a college coach. Yeah. Well,
4: that's a great point because uh, I'll, I'll be honest when it first hit us, you know, it was like uh, a real uh, punch to the gut. Uh, And, and, and we're not, afforded that amount of time at the end of the season uh, so it was really kind of hey take a couple weeks make sure your family's right um, we made sure all of our players got home safely stayed in touch with them uh, but then it was like okay this is what is going to be in front of us we don't know for how long so let's find a way you know to continue to grind and and so you know there were a lot of You know, webinars online, basketball clinics online, we were involved with, watching film. You know, each coach, we we watched a number of our games from not just this past year, the past couple of years. Um, Other teams, you know, trying to, hey, what can we bring to the table next year that can help us get better? Because we we didn't know there was gonna be a delay with with the start of this season. Um, So we tried to work on ourselves as coaches, Um, the x and o stuff continuing to recruit all the while but then also as as we went a little bit further you saw a lot of the, the the social justice concerns and so now all of a sudden we weren't just dealing with the pandemic with regards to our players and what was going through their heads but everything else going on in our society so we were having weekly team zoom calls just making sure we were having great communication, um, we were providing leadership when asked, but really listening to our guys and letting them air a lot of what was on their chest and on their minds, and helping all you know one another get through that whole deal so we were we were dealing with a lot and and for a little while, I'll be honest, basketball was probably the fur furthest thing from our minds. It was making sure that these guys were in a great mental state, and I'll tell you. It was great for for me, I know, individually, just I felt a connection to the guys that maybe wouldn't have come, you know, through some of the other stuff. So we really grew a lot as a program. We grew individually um, and and had some great communication through it all. Now it's like, man, the the bubble's going to burst. We can get back out on the floor and and, and do what we're expected to do. So uh, a a lot of
1: self-reflection and a lot of growth, I think, in the last six months. You mentioned social justice and talking to your, your team about that. I come from the mind frame of the fact that if society could be like a, a basketball team or a sports team, so many of the disagreements or uh, non misunderstandings would be cleared up. I fell in love with the game at an early age. I've had teammates from every single background that you can imagine I'm sure you did in your 12-year professional playing career, and you now coach a lot of guys from so many backgrounds. How important is it to you as you recruit players to understand who they are, maybe who their family is, and then put that all together with a group to work?
4: It's it's huge, and, and, and you know, if you add to that, you have to understand or, or made it, make it be clear what the expectations are from their side initially, because if, if, if they don't have a great grasp of reality, you know, th- there's, there's going to be issues you, but you do, we have to spend more time getting to know the families than, than ever before to understand w- what the influences were around these young men uh, as they were raised. But uh, you know, as families do, you go through some ups and downs, some hurdles. And, and our whole deal here at Oregon state is, if we continue to work, continue that grind, but show love and respect for one another, you're going to get through those differences. Um, but but going into it, you've got to understand or make clear what the expectations are, what your demands are going to be, and, and what you expect from, from the individuals. And I think you see so many transfers. You, you know, you, you talk about another thing that's, uh, you know, really, really hitting basketball and, and other sports hard. I think a lot of those things aren't made clear going in. And so um then then you have the issues you run into and you have the kids that are leaving just trying to go look for greener grass or look for an easier process. So um more now more than ever we're trying to get a lot of those things answered uh but
2: before we ever get them on campus for sure. The Zags have come a long way as a program since Dickow was bombing threes in a Gonzaga uniform nearly two decades ago. Now, the same guy at the top, head coach Mark Few, is leading the number one team in the country, entering 2021, led by the highest recruit in school history in five-star point guard Jalen Suggs. Here is Mark Few and Dan talking about recruiting. The episode was released on September 28th.
1: There's obviously been, like we spoke about there, a change in the network's viewing of the program. There's been a change, I'm sure, in, in the viewing of the program through recruits. You've had to kind of change your recruiting philosophy, I'm sure, from years ago until now where you're blending Northwest guys, you're blending international guys, and now you're really in the mix for a lot of McDonald's All-American level guys. How has your recruiting philosophy changed, if at all?
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know if our philosophy's changed. I, did, I, I think we've always just tried to get – you know, the best guy we can that also fits our program. I don't think, you know, the one thing I'm proud of is throughout all the years and, and, and again, with different, you know, assistants heading up different parts of the recruit target guys that, that we feel really strongly about would fit really well with the Gonzaga culture. They're good people off the floor. They're, they're serious about their academics. They're great teammates, uh, but they're you know obviously really really talented and can keep us at the level that uh, you know we want to stay at, which is you know put us in position to play for a Final Four and win a national championship. So um, <clears throat> I think what's happened is uh, you know it's because of our success and popularity. Uh, you know, we be, became a more viable option for many, many more players out there. And then it's our job to kind of to siphon through all that and, and continue to figure out which ones are, are you know, the best fit for GU. Well,
1: 20-plus years as a head coach, near around 30 in, in the college game where you have to evaluate, you have to recruit. Um, then you have to get players to commit. Is there – one player or two that was most frustrating for you during your career that you thought was going to become a zag and would have been perfect in Gonzaga's system but ultimately chose to go somewhere else
3: oh gosh there's been a ton of those uh oh, just a ton <laughs> I mean uh you know it's it's much like the the losses you know but we don't lose very much up here but When we do the, you know, you have a tendency to remember those for whatever reason, which is kind of sad compared to all the wins. Uh, But sure, I mean, I going back to I think we asked my must have been my first year as a head coach. I mean, uh, 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 absolutely loved Luke Ridnour; thought he'd be a great fit here, uh, and just loved everything that he was uh, all about, and and. you know, when he chose to go elsewhere, that was that was tough. And then he took his buddy Luke Jackson uh with him. It was from my uh my little tiny town down in uh, uh Oregon. So uh uh that I mean that started it and then there, yeah, heck, there's been tons, even 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 recently there's been some that we thought we had a pretty good shot at that didn't happen. But that, that you know that that's recruiting. And then the interesting thing is uh with that you learn and and continue to learn that usually the 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 person you end up with ends up being the right fit. It's always just worked out really really well for us. You know, if you think about, you know, we ended up with that backcourt with you and Blake Stepp, which arguably is one of the best backcourts, if not the best backcourt we've ever had. You know, so uh, um, you know, God works in mysterious ways. It's not always. Uh, what we want so uh, um, uh, but yep you know when you're you're in this battle every year with 10 15 20 kids a year and and now if you look at the options of the teams we're competing against in recruiting you know these these kids have some some really 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 good options so in a lot of cases they really can't go wrong so it's it's hard to fault them
2: John Wooden was a formative coach for Lorenzo Romar, uh, of course, and so many others, uh, and someone the current Pepperdine head coach still carries with him through uh, his legendary philosophy, advice, and legacy. On the episode released September 14th, Romar joined Dickau and shared a story about Wooden's attention to detail
1: can only imagine I had a chance to meet him a a couple of times my senior year being a wooden all-american I was around him at the final four I was around him uh, at the wooden award weekend Uh, and then months later I was around him when he came spoke my rookie year to the Atlanta Hawks and every time that I had spoke to him there had been a little bit of lapse in time he remembered details from our previous conversation and as a 23 year old at the time Looking at someone who I believe would have been maybe mid 80s at the time, and remember thinking about their mental acuity, their attention to details, their interest in a conversation with somebody like myself who couldn't do anything for Coach Wooden at the time, uh, absolutely blew me away. Is there any? I'm sure you've got hundreds of them, um, but is there one or two examples of a, a conversation that you just you had with Coach Wooden that you just walked away? And, and you were just floored by him
0: or what he had said. You hit it on the head. It happened so many times. But I'm going to give you a couple things that, that I remember stood out. One was uh, we brought, brought my staff, when we first first became head coach at Pepperdine, brought my staff to coach his condominium and just talked basketball. We're, for about four hours, we were talking. And man, he was great, they loved it. He had agreed to speak at a coach's clinic that we had at Pepperdine later that summer in July or August. And this was May, I believe it was. And we met with Coach. The reason I tell you those different months is to put this in perspective. When we left his house that day, he called me about 30 minutes later and he says, one of your assistants was sitting in my couch and dropped some change and left it on the couch. So I said, <clears throat> okay, coach, thanks, we'll, we'll get it. Like, okay, he left change, no big deal. Didn't mention anything else about it. When he spoke at our clinic, I had to go pick him up and got him. And he sat out in the car and handed me the 75 cents change that his assistant had left over there. I mean, he was detailed in everything. But then what was awesome is he also that year in our first year at Pepperdine came to watch practice we invited them to practice and coach is sitting there at half court watching us practice you know so practice ends and we we get him and we sit him down okay coach let us hear where where can we get better what did you see and of course the man he, he would never tell you what to do he would at most give you his opinion and he said you know what I oh you're doing a fine job nothing he says you know the three on two conditioner drill now, Dan, do you know what three-on-two conditioner drill is?
5: Yeah, pretty much the, every
0: team is running from youth up to the NBA. Every <laughs> team. Right? <laughs> yes. Well, one of my coaches, Coach Ammon, Kenny Ammon, he suggested that you know you got people running in from the sideline, it's a continuous, fast break drill. He said, why don't we do it to where we have teams? One team is on one sideline, the other team's on, and make it competitive. We I'd never done that before. And we started doing that because at his suggestion. So Coach watches. He says, the three-on-two conditioner drill, I really like that. He said, you know, uh, you had them competing against each other. If I was coaching still, I think I would do that. I think I would do it like that. Then he said, you know, when I first put that drill in, whoa, 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 coach, everyone got this drill from you. He started that drill. (laughs) That blew me away.
2: Dan will be among the first to say Montana head coach Travis DeCure is primed for a high major head coaching job soon. He joined the podcast in late October to talk about Montana's COVID-condensed season prep, what it was like playing for legendary Mercer Island high school coach Ed Peppel, uh, who recently passed away. Uh, of course, uh, DeCure is from the Seattle area. He's developed players. Uh, he's brought Montana to NCAA tournament. A big key to understanding the coach that he is today uh, is looking at his time as an assistant at Cal. From 2008 to 2014, he helped Mike Montgomery usher in Pac-12 success for NCAA tournaments at Berkeley. So here, DeCure talks about how they did that and how it's shaped his approach to coaching today.
1: After Old Dominion, you go to Cal and you, so now you go from, to be honest, kind of a mid-major level program back to the West Coast where probably more of your network is in your comfort level, I would imagine lies in a big conference at, you're at Cal. What was that like? And then how did that prepare you for when that first opportunity at your alma mater, Montana
6: came about? You know, I think they all kind of, played a role in that preparation, right? And, and so at Old Dominion, Blaine was growing the program to operate like a high major. His time at Stanford, when he got to Old Dominion, he kind of visualized, we're going to operate the way we did as a Pac-12 school. And by the time I got to my fifth year there, his seventh, we were doing that. We were playing home and homes against, um, you know, top ten programs in the country, Uh, We were buying home games. We were traveling like high majors. We were operating that way, which led to the success that that we had in that conference. When I got to Cal, Montgomery was doing the same thing with Cal. He, 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 He created a situation where we would operate like a blue blood because that's what he had turned Stanford into. And so for me, coming back here as a head coach, I felt the one thing I know that these guys taught me was, look big picture. Don't settle on where you're at. Make it more than what it is when you get there. And so I was able to, you know, take some things from each of those places and bring it to Montana and grow the program in some ways that you might not necessarily notice in games or in practices on the court because it's the it's the complete program. But Blaine and, and Mike Montgomery are – specialists at uh, developing a program developing the person um, and and being prepared for all situations and I, I just think working with those two guys after working for Ed Peppel for three years uh, was really the perfect storm for me in terms of just preparation over the years and the guys the mentors I had. As a coach assembling a college basketball
2: roster, How difficult is it to manage the current state of transfers? Uh, The transfer market has uh, changed college basketball uh, as it is, as, as it's evolved. Ray Giacoletti has been a very good assistant coach at several levels of college basketball, and he even recruited Dan coming out of high school. The landscape of college basketball has changed since those days. One way is the recruitment of transfers. So here in this clip, uh, Jackaletti talks about that. It's from the episode released September 2nd. Uh,
1: but I think the grad transfer uh, rule has had a huge impact too, as well as the ability for coaches to run practices in the summer. So now guys get ahead academically and they realize, well, if I push it, I graduate early, I can play somewhere else my final year. And so you've seen it at the smaller level at the Eastern. You went to University of Utah, so that's now a Pac-12, really good program. And then you went back, uh, you you got back into the head coaching ranks at a Drake in the Missouri Valley Conference. And now you're at uh, School St. Louis in the A-10. So you've kind of seen it at all different levels. How difficult is it to manage this grad transfer and this transfer uh, situation with all these schools?
5: I think it's almost impossible today. So you have to have a plan, in my opinion, and it changes yearly. If you're a low major school, what your plan is going to be. What I mean by low major is like a big sky team. If you're mid-major like the Valley, Missouri Valley Conference, you better get a plan on what's going to be successful at that level. I'll give you an example. Our two best players in my first two years at Drake got pilfered off campus. One went to Minnesota and started for three years the other one was a seven foot Polish kid, uh, Dominic Olenicek, who went to Florida state. Um, so you may have to take a different route to be successful. If I was back at Eastern Washington, I would be looking at junior college more than anything because really tough to go there for a year and then to leave right away. Um, you know, we took a different approach, taking high school players, red them. We took Rodney Stuckey and and signed him and sat him as a prop. Uh, I, you could still do that today, but you're not going to get paid off in the end because if they're good enough, they're it's just it's not even um, disloyal. It's just part of the process today where they're going to leave. Um, all we're doing to young people today is teaching them how to quit and when it gets a little bit tough to pack my bags and run. Or if I have some kind of success, I'm going someplace else. There are, in my opinion, three or four more times bad stories than there are good stories. Sure, there's NCAA tournament, you turn it on, there's going to be somebody out there that played at a low level that had an impact on some team. But I can count four or five more options where Guys had just awful experiences. The rule was made for if you wanted to get a graduate degree and the school you were at didn't have it, you then could go someplace else and play right away. Those guys, one, aren't getting grad degrees, and two, they're just making up whatever that place you want to go to has that the place you were at don't have. So we've just trained, and, and people can fight me on it. At this point, at 58, Dan, I don't care anymore. I'm going to speak what I believe. We've taught guys to quit, and we taught guys to, as soon as it gets a little bit tough or have a little bit of success, again, um, quit and and run to someplace else. Elvin and Snow and I had this talk when he got inducted to the Hall of Fame at Eastern a couple years ago. Um, so it paid off for Elvin. Elvin took the school. Elvin's will be revered there. He uh, he will always, till the day he dies, have a place to go back to. He took him to the NIT. took him to a conference championship. Took him to the NCAA tournament. He was Eastern's first uh, legitimate All-American. He's in the Hall of Fame. It worked out for him. And not saying it wouldn't have worked out someplace else, but, you know.
2: USC assistant coach Jason Hart has coached players who went on to play in the NBA. He played in the NBA himself. Hart graduated from Syracuse uh, after four years in 2000 with a lot of wins, Uh, the career steals record. Similar to Dickow, he put together a nice NBA career, playing for nine seasons. On the September 18th episode of the ISO, he joined and talked, uh, among other things, about coaching and developing future NBA players
1: you and I were kind of underdogs. Yes, You wouldn't have looked at me junior year, even senior year in high school and pegged me as a pro. And right. hearing you say that about yourself, um, I think it, it goes a lot to, to playing the long game, understanding right. your value on the court to a team, understanding where your strengths lie, your weaknesses lie, and maximizing your strengths and minimizing your weaknesses. When you, with your NBA experience, talk to players on your current roster, um what do you try to really emphasize with them? Because, quite frankly, every player in college basketball has a goal and a dream to get to the NBA. And right. you, I'm sure, want those players, but mm-hmm. you also have to be realistic with them. What is your approach in talking to players uh, about player development? Well, for me, is obviously we want to get better each and every day. And it's not to deter their dreams. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to encourage the NBA because if that's what you want, that's going to make you a better basketball player because you're going to work towards that. But what I, one thing I try to emphasize with our guys is show what you do really well. And we're going to hide some of the things we're not good at. Don't, don't use that vice versa. And that's what I try to emphasize. I don't want to be that coach like C and told you. I want to be an encourager. So one thing I emphasize to our guys is show the world what you're really good at. And then me and you can get into the gym every day and work on what we're not good at. And that's what I emphasize to our guys. Because during, when the lights is on, you want to look good and play to your strengths. Yeah, what I think a lot of young players don't understand is if they have the opportunity to get to the NBA, they're not going to be a James Harden one who has the ball in their hand for 16 seconds of the shot clock. You have to find and pick and choose your spots where your skills can impact the game positively for your team. And the fact that you've got that approach and trying to help kids, uh, I really appreciate and admire about coaches like yourself.
2: That's it for this best of the ISO episode. We'll continue this series on Monday with stories from the NBA. Thanks for listening. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. We hope you had a happy new year.
1: The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports. Brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals.